We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning and welcome to the show. IB Countdown to Kickoff is uh, up and rolling along with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. How are you today, Mr. D'Addario? I'm fantastic. You know, I, I will say, and I'm, this is not a popular opinion, but I am a fan of the green jerseys. I've been looking forward. <laughs> just going to get forward. it right out there. Huh? <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I've been looking forward to this game for a long time. Obviously, there's a lot more writing on it now than there ever was that I ever thought that there would be. But uh, it, it's game day Saturday. We only get 12 guaranteed game day Saturdays. And so I'm going to revel in it and I'm going to be excited about it. And hopefully we have a good one sooner That's than right. later. That's right. That, I would love to be in a good mood at the end of today. That would be fantastic because that has not been the case for the past two games. So Man, I would no I would kidding. love to be on a post-game show with a smile on my face. Let's put it that way. That's what I I, I did not see the start of your post-game show last week, but I heard, I, I think I saw some comments that you guys look pretty down when that show started. <laughs> I mean, I, there wasn't much to be happy about. Like that. No, I, mean, I know. I know. <laughs> was, Trust me. I know. I was sitting oh, right next to you. I know. Man, I tell you what. How I, long did it take you guys to get out of the parking lot, by the way, into your homes so that you can do the, the show after the game? About 20 minutes. It wasn't too bad. Really? Did yeah. you, did you beat most of the traffic getting out of there? Uh, it's kind of an easy out from where, where I'm. That's parked, true. So. Where we park in that because yeah. you park in the ignition mm-hmm. parking lot too, right? Yeah, they, yep. I think they've got all the media over there. Yeah. That's that's very true, and that's that spot is actually for me getting in very yeah. convenient. It's fairly convenient getting out as well. So it's, it's a little bit, it's a little walk. bit of a hike, but it's about a ten minute walk. I mean, yeah, you get your steps it, in. It's not too bad, you know. You pass a few tailgates, grab a, grab a few beverages, and. Some food on the way. You see somebody, right. you know, hey, I'll take that. That sounds good. And then head on in. I mean, it's it really works out well. Vigo is uh, in rare form, I see, already asking if I had toast <laughs> with peanut butter and jelly for breakfast today. Vigo among the Steve Angeli fans. Oh, boy. I see. Those popular player on the roster. He is. Baby. That's how he it is. Works. What happens about Steve Angeli two weeks ago? What happens if it ends up Steve Angeli becomes the guy? Then is Ron Paulus the third the most popular guy after three. that? If things don't go right, I mean, I don't know. Number three. I don't know. Let's not go there. Let's not go there right now. But uh, glad to have everybody with us, all the live viewers here 
this morning as we get ready for Notre Dame and Cal today, California. And I, you know, I will say I am a fan of green jerseys. I don't know that I necessarily like these green jerseys. And that's fair. We can save that for later for rapid fire if you want, but right. I'm not a, I just, well, I just, I don't like the, I don't like the blue on green. I'll, I'll just yeah. say that. I love the look of the white names on the back, you know, the, the white lettering on the back. I, I think it would look very crisp and clean if the numbers yes. were in that same white. Yes. I, and I was not anticipating the names on the back. That's kind of a new, yeah. new twist to the whole thing. And maybe... Maybe they're just like, you know what? We're done with these green jerseys. We'll just put the names on the back, give them to the guys, and we'll have a new iteration of green jerseys at some point. So that would be nice. Yep. And uh, Stymie Snurdly, after Marshall, I'm not feeling the green today is what he says. And well, that's I was kind of actually thinking the same thing because I was just looking at my notes. Oh, yeah, Marshall wore green last week. Different shade. So. Different shade of green. But That's yes. right. That's right. As we get going here, do us a favor, just smash that like button. If you would, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We much appreciate it. We've got a lot we're going to get to. We're going to, you know, look back on some of the stuff against Marshall. We're going to look forward to Cal later on in the show. We'll make some predictions on some other games from around the country this weekend and, uh, you know, see what else we can find. Sean and Vince, before we know it, there will be cries for Mishawaka great Justin Fisher. That is very true, says Robbie. <laughs> I saw Justin. I didn't get to get up close to him, but I saw him with uh, the Mishawaka coaches after the game last uh, night, watching his brother Brady yeah. run the offense. Brady didn't get to the end zone. He almost did. He had a long run. Justin's younger brother playing quarterback for Mishawaka. He got run down by a Plymouth safety at about the 15-yard line, I think it was, before he could Ouch. get to the end zone. But, He's going to hear uh, it from Big Brother, I would imagine. That's right. For that one, yeah. I, I saw Justin. He was out there on the field wearing a gold Notre Dame shirt nice. afterwards. Got to rep it. Steel Stadium. That's right. Got to rep it. He might, his tight end days might be, uh, <laughs> might be over here soon. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Oh, that's hilarious. Point. Well, they lost 26-21 to Marshall last week. The Irish did. And uh, we, of course, have spent all week breaking it down. We have come to the end of the cycle as uh, we uh, – this is where we officially flush Marshall out of our systems, I think, now yes. as we get to, you know, to uh, countdown to kickoff on game day for Cal. Biggest thing we learned last week outside the Buckner injury to start with is what, Vince? Man, I – I learned that the valleys are deeper than I thought they could be, to be honest with you. Like yeah. that, I, I didn't learn anything positive about the team itself. You know, it was kind of the same team that we saw against Ohio State. A lot of the same, a lot of similar mistakes that were made that were really not corrected from week one to week two, which was a little bit disappointing to me. But I, I you know, me along with everybody else that doesn't live anywhere near the Marshall campus had did not expect Notre Dame to lose this game, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. who knew that that was what was going to happen? So the Valley is lower than I thought it could be. I think we learn a lot about this team going into week three now from what we saw in week two. And and there's going to be a lot to learn. So hopefully it's positive learning. That's that's the goal here. But yeah, that was um, it was rough. Everyone should start their day with a great cup of coffee. And for my family... That means the latest blend from Trade Coffee. My wife loves Trade Coffee. And when my parents were in town for the Notre Dame season opener, I turned them on to Trade Coffee as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. 
It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The coffee we got from Trade was superb. My wife is very picky with her coffee. I've told you that before, so I trusted Trade Coffee and had her fill out their quiz. They sent us three different blends, and they batted a thousand. We received the Holmes blend from Sparrow Coffee in Michigan, the Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York, and the Black Velvet from Atomic Roasters in Massachusetts. That's our collection, and trust me, we're adding to it. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com irish for $30 off. Try it out today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The valley is low, is the river deep? I guess we will find that out here soon enough. And I, I just really disappointed with what we have seen from these two lines for Notre Dame so yes. far, offensive yeah. line and defensive line. That's the biggest thing to me because, again, you, there's, there's, there's so much you can write off when you're playing the number two team in the country Absolutely. two weeks ago. And, again, I think everyone, even though disappointed that they were so close and could have won that game, had a couple things gone the other way. Uh, you know, you're feel, you're still feeling pretty good coming out of that, I think, right. going up at Ohio State and all that stuff. But that, oh, that all evaporated last week at Notre Dame Stadium, and especially seeing the way these two lines played. Just very, very disappointing. And I saw – just this morning, apparently the Marshall offensive line coach has left. I have not seen oh. a reason why, you know, like what's going on there. And there was a joke that somebody made about, well, maybe he's going to Notre Dame to take over for Harry Easton since he had the better offensive line between I mean, the two last he week. He did. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. He, de yes. he definitely did. So I and still have faith in Harry. You know, it's oh, I, me too. I just, I don't understand. Based on some things we saw in training camp and knowing Harry Heastan's history and the talent that he has with this group, I just, I'm, I'm really 
dumbfounded to figure out why this line has struggled the way that it has so far. I completely agree. And, you know, Harry's track record speaks for itself. I don't take back anything that we said about Harry Heastand in the summertime and, and, you know, during the recruiting season and leading up to the season, because I still believe all of that. I do. I believe all of that. I'm disappointed in the outcome of the first two games from the offensive line, no doubt about it, but I absolutely still have faith in Harry. And I think that he's got a lot of bad habits to break. And again, I didn't think it would take this long, but in the long run, I still think he's the right man for the job. There's no doubt about that. And it seems like communication stuff is still the biggest issue. I think, you know, communication and stuff between the ears more than necessarily physical that could be a factor today and we'll touch on that coming up here in a little bit when we talk specifically about this matchup but bigger picture the bigger story obviously coming out of last week is the loss of Tyler Buckner yes gone for the season it's the non-throwing shoulder but he had to have surgery this week and Marcus Freeman doesn't expect him to be recovered in some until sometime in mid-January basically when winter workouts start so no Tyler Buckner for the rest of the season. And I know, you know, I know there are some people who wanted to see Drew Pine to begin with, and, and Buckner obviously had not played exceptionally, you know, the first couple of games. How how big a loss do you think this is for the big picture? Well, I mean, it's look, it's a huge loss. Obviously, we we at Irish Breakdown, you know, consider Tyler Buckner a championship level quarterback, or at least we believe he can get to that point. And you've lost your first two games. So Notre Dame isn't competing for a championship anymore. Unless, I mean, chaos ensues in college football. Notre Dame's not playing for a championship. So, you know, does that necessarily, what, what does that mean for the rest of the season? We'll see. But, you know, the offense is going to look different with Drew Pine. We saw flashes of Tyler Buckner, you know, in the run game and, you know, some of the things that he was able to do. Drew Pine is a different quarterback. And I think people need to understand that as well it's not going to look the same. You're this offense is going to look a lot more like the uh the cone offense right as opposed to the Tyler Buckner offense, right? So, look, it's in the playbook. We know what it looks like, you know, is Drew Pine more mobile than Cone was? Of course. So, I mean, there there, there is that this offensive line is better than last year. So, I mean, there is that as well. But the, off, the, the wide receivers are going to have to get involved in order for this offense to click. And the run game needs to get involved. Drew Pine can't be a one-man band. He needs the run game. And if they can't have it all, this is yep. going to be a very, very long season. It's not going to be Drew Pine's fault. Got to have the run game and or an extension of some short passes. Like, right. uh, really, you know, we've talked a lot about Chris Tyree. And again, that's something that we'll talk about more in detail in a little bit. But the other part of this is whether it's Tyree or, who you know, Chris Tyree has three catches. He's got the yeah. only three catches by the running backs so far. Right. And this was an offense that last year relied on, you know, not relied on, but used the running backs as a big part of the passing game. Kyron Williams had what? I think it was 42 last year. And Tyree had 25-30 himself last year. Those two combined, and they're not doing that right now. And, like, some of the pass rush things that Notre Dame has had to deal with as an offense, you can negate some of that if you're willing, you know, to the the screen passes to the running back, short right. stuff to the run, you know, and it was just it it hasn't been a part of the offense so far. I think it's going to have to be 
now that you've got Drew Pine. I'm really curious to see what Tommy Reese does with this offense. I mean, do you basically sure. just go back to the midseason Jack Kona offense, you know, post-Virginia Tech where you decided, okay, now it's time to go tempo right? And and not just have him stand back there in the pocket and try to, you know, again, like negate some of the rush and some of the offensive line issues and, and get the offensive line going that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think tempo would be a good thing for this team. I think getting, you know, Chris Tyree specifically involved, like you mentioned, is a great idea that 80,000 people thought would be a great idea last week. And apparently others did not. So hopefully that comes to fruition and then get, you know, you've got to get your wide receivers involved. And if that means getting Tobias Merriweather on the field, then you need to do it. You know, they need the wide receivers have just not been targeted enough or at all, frankly, in this offense. And that's a huge problem as well. So I want to address this comment real quick from JS sports 2012. He says, ridiculous to think Buckner is a championship level quarterback. You made me lose all respect for your judgment and knowledge. I mean, you're, you're entitled to your own opinion, but I do think it's important to remember that Tyler Buckner played in a handful of games last year in small packages after not playing high school football for two years because of the pandemic, you know, and he is still, was still in the early stages of becoming a college quarterback. And I, I go back to the conversation that I had with Chase Brown, who covers Ohio State. A year ago at this time, not everyone was sold on uh, on that quarterback over there at Ohio State. Good point. You know, they, they, they didn't, there were, there were a lot of questions about whether or not he's the man. And now all of a sudden, a year later, you know, he comes into the season as a Heisman Trophy <laughs> favorite after throwing 44 touchdown passes last season. I'm not saying Tyler Buckner was going to go on to that. I think athletically and from a skill standpoint, there was every reason to, to believe that he could be a championship quarterback. The biggest thing, again, it's more between the ears because you could see the way they were the way that, you know, there were there were reads that he was missing. There were, like, they did a lot more check with me stuff to the sideline with the plays from the line of scrimmage. And I think that's because, you know, get to the line of scrimmage, let the coaches see what was out there on the field defensively, and then let them kind of help make some of those calls because obviously Tyler Buckner was not quite there yet. So from a skill and athletic standpoint, and again, you know, you can talk about his delivery and his mechanics and all that stuff. He's got the arm, he's got legs, he's got speed. There are a lot of good things. You know, he was still a quarterback who needed to grow more in terms of the college game and just see things and get that experience. And that to me is the biggest thing that both Tyler Buckner and Notre Dame are going to lose out of this is a season of experience that regardless of what ended up happening happening from a win and loss standpoint this season, Tyler Buckner is going to lose a year of experience. And now the quarterback situation for the future becomes a lot more in question. Well, no, absolutely. And and the fact that he ha he went out with an injury, you know, the people that had negative thoughts about Tyler Buckner, they're going to continue to have those until game one of next year. Yeah. You know, and it's just going to build and build and build. And, you know, regardless of what Drew Pine does, they're still going to have those negative thoughts on on Tyler Buckner. I, I still hold my opinion about who Tyler Buckner is and who he could be. And I'm not going to change that. And if people don't like it, that's fine. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. That That's totally fine. You can have respect or you can not have respect or you can watch a different channel. That's cool, too. I mean, that's not going to hurt my feelings any. But the bottom <laughs> line is I've 
watched football for a very, very long time and analyzed it and seen good and seen bad and all these other things. And you need to take into account the fact that this is basically his redshirt freshman year. Right. Right. And this is his first year as a starter. You know, everybody talks about what a great you you mentioned CJ Stroud, right? He was a freshman last year. He was a redshirt freshman last right. year. Right. Right. Okay. So, you know, Tyler Buckner had And he threw three interceptions in. in the first, you know, he threw an interception a right. game, the first three games of the season. Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm I'm not ready to write off Tyler Buckner after two games because when they actually ran the offense that he's good at running, he was very successful. When they forced him to be a pocket passer, he wasn't as successful. You, I mean, it, it just seems very obvious to me the way that you need to use Tyler Buckner, and they weren't using him in that fashion. And I, I was hoping that they would continue going down that road, and they, they didn't in that game. So that's fine, and that, right. that's great. So and we'll we'll see what happens. We got to wait until September of next year now. JS Sports responds, arm strength, yes, runability, yes, has shown no consistent ability to be accurate, make good decisions, look past his first option. Again, that's goes to the stuff that we're talking about, lack of experience and lack of recognition right now. Now, you can question because he had the whole offseason to prepare and get, you know, like, is he is he capable, you know, of of making those reads? I have to think that with the year, you know, again, a year of experience, he was going to get better at making those decisions. I don't know what that was going to look like this year, but you would have to think that by next year, you know, like that was something that Brady Quinn, even, you know, by the time that that he was a a junior and senior playing for Charlie Weiss, when he was breaking all the, the, the records at the end, he still had some of those issues, you know, a little beat behind sometimes coming off the first read. If you're not coming off the first read again, it's, more more likely about the fact that he's just not quite confident enough yet because he hasn't done it enough yet. He doesn't have the reps and experience enough yet. And it's like, okay, this is the first read. Boom. I'm, you know, that's where I'm going to go to rather than have the, 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 the confidence to go on to the second and third reads. That's, right. that's just, you know, it's like things get sped up too much right. in your head and you want to get rid of it. And that comes with experience that comes with yeah. playing the game. I mean, you can, you can practice it all you want. And he did go through his reads plenty in the scrimmages and in practice and all of those different things. I saw it with my own eyes. He can do that, but it's different when you get into the game, you're the starting quarterback at the university of Notre Dame. It's just different. So he's, like I said, he's essentially a freshman quarterback, a freshman, a first year starter. You have to give him some time to develop and he got zero help from his friends. That's the bigger problem. Right. And I said this last week and I'll say it again. You can bang Tommy Reese for the game plan or Marcus Freeman all you want. Those are accurate. That's accurate. Right. Yes. Yes. I don't care what the game plan was. You still should have beat Marshall. Right. Okay? They didn't execute. They were better man to man across the board. Should have been. It doesn't matter. You, 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 you have to play better than that. I mean, yes. So again, he got no help from the offensive line. When you can't run the had- ball against Marshall. He barely had time to throw the ball, yeah. you know, in this game. You know, he threw long to – and that was because he got hit in the chest, you know. If he had an extra split second, I think he hits that throw, right? Yeah. He has to throw it early. So all of these different things. He, A freshman quarterback needs help from his offensive counterparts, and he wasn't getting it. So that's part of it as well. But again, yeah. game plan – you still should have beat Marshall. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is no excuse. 
Marcus Freeman's 0-3 now for his career. Obviously 0-2 this year. First Notre Dame coach, though, to ever lose his first three games. And this is a situation, you know, especially after all the love and the offseason and everything else, none of us thought we were going to be here. At at worst, I think we were thinking one and one at yeah. this point, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, nobody predicted, like, unless you're a Marshall fan or somebody within the program, that Marshall was going to come in here and win. I mean, they literally got paid one and a quarter million dollars to come here and take an L, and they didn't. They took a win. So, yeah, one one and one is absolutely the expectation. And then, you know, you get over 500 this week, and then you start pressing forward and all of that. So it, it was completely surprising and totally expected that like, if you would have asked me you know before the fiesta bowl i'd be like hey worst case scenario you know he's one and two it's a tough place to you know that's a tough way to start you know your first three games as a head coach but he'll start racking up those wins as you move forward this is not what was expected no no and it puts a lot more emphasis on what happens today and whether or not Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman, you know, how how long they'll be able to continue weathering the storm. Because, you know, because yeah. like for the for the well, if Brian Kelly was here crowd, I, I you know, best case, they beat Marshall last week and the other two games probably go, you know, pretty close to the same route. You, well, you know what I mean? Like result, you know. Well, and that's, you know, that's a fair point. Somebody, somebody said, you know, Brian Kelly's here, you know, that they would be one and two. Well, yeah, they probably would be one and two. They probably would have beaten Marshall, but they probably would have been blown out against Ohio state. And they probably would have been blown out in the Fiesta bowl. If, if we're being honest, based on the track record. Now, Marcus Freeman has no track record right now. His track record is zero and three granted. Right. But I, I do think that the outcome would have been different if, you know, Brian Kelly would have won the game last week. I, I believe that. I, I yeah, believe he would have won I do that too. game last week. I do, too. Yeah. Vigo says, Notre Dame paid Marshall $1.4 million to beat our bleeps. And, you know, that's that's true. But Nebraska paid Georgia Southern and Texas A&M paid yeah. Appalachian State. And together, those three schools probably made around $6 million to go pick up wins on the road. So, at least misery loves company. Notre Dame was not in, you know, in, in that boat by themselves. That's they right. The highest ranked team to lose to a, you know, a Sunbelt team. That's, That's exactly sure. right. That's exactly yeah. right. And, you know, Cal is coming in here today. Let's be honest. Cal is a team that you put on the schedule because you can say, well, you know, we got, we played another power five team and, and they'll come in here today and we can do our green Jersey thing and have our fun and all right. that kind of stuff. You're expecting a win when you play Cal, but Notre Dame is 0-2. Cal is 2-0. Now, who they've played, you know, now you can you can argue that UNLV and Marshall theoretically should be on the same level. Cal has beaten UC Davis and UNLV uh, with, with Justin Wilcox. He's been around for a while now. I didn't realize how long Wilcox has been out there. Sixth season now wow. as uh, the Golden Bears head coach. But they are 2-0, and and they're averaging 27 points a game, and they're allowing 13.5 points a game which again, they haven't played in Ohio State, but both of those numbers are better than what Notre Dame has right no now. Doubt. Yeah, well, <laughs> there aren't many numbers that uh, would be worse at this yeah. point, but that's, you know, I, I agree. <laughs> that's they're right. 2-0. They're undefeated. They, are. they haven't lost. So, they are. You know, and they don't care who they played. They haven't lost. Yeah. 
They're, they were five and seven last year. They went four and five of the Pac-12. They've been four and five in the Pac-12 three different times under Wilcox. That's the best they've finished in the conference. Seven and six in 2018, eight and five in 2019 is his best two overall seasons. More importantly, I think for Cal, they have won two of their last three meetings with Stanford in the big game. And Notre Dame playing both of the participants in the big game this season within about a month of each other with Stanford coming into Notre Dame Stadium next month. They had lost nine straight to the Cardinal prior to that. And and probably, you know, if if you're Cal, now you would like to see more wins. But as long as you're beating Stanford, Justin, Justin Wilcox probably has some pretty good job security right now. (laughs) well and and again i mean cal is not exactly a football powerhouse right and so the expectations and the bar is set a little bit differently at cal than it is at other places and that look that's understandable and he's doing what he needs to do and let's see what they what they bring to south bend i'm sure that they're i'm sure that cal has all the confidence in the world right now coming into notre dame stadium like well if marshall can beat him let's go you know, so I'm sure they got a ton of confidence. and They're going to play that way. That's right. Take a quick Tyler Evans saying he's rocking with KU today. Let's go Uh-oh. Jayhawks. And you got that right. They're minus nine and a half Woo. at Houston. And they went on the road at Virginia. They were around nine and a half, ten and a half points. I think maybe even more than that at West Virginia last week. They won outright. They've got the number four scoring offense in the nation. So if you're looking from a, uh, if, you know, if you're in a state, where you can uh, legally bet. I like Kansas plus nine and a half, and I like the over on that game as well at Houston today. So nice. Tyler Evans, very smart. So there's there's where's a tip the, for you. Where's the bell? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Tips. You're just making people money, Styers. Boom. I hope so. That's. I hope I'm making myself some money on that one as a Kansas <laughs> alum today. Um, Jack Plummer, though. We're, we're going to see this guy for the second year in a row here at Notre Dame Stadium. Played at Purdue last year. He transfers out to Cal. He is 51 of 74 for 546 yards, completed 69% of his passes, four touchdowns, two interceptions. He was 25 of 36 for 187 last year. Sacked once, threw a touchdown, no picks. Not the most mobile quarterback, and he has been sacked six times through two games so far this season, Vince. Four last week against UNLV. Well, and I, you know, the vaunted UNLV pass rush, I'm, I'm hoping that, no, and I say that with sarcasm, but at the same time, Notre Dame hasn't really shown much from their pass rush. So this is an opportunity for them to maybe make a statement. That would be great. Let's yeah. make a statement defensively. Let's, Big chance. Let's, let's put Cal on their backside a little bit. You know, <laughs> we, we've had, I think, one sack a game or something along those lines. I mean, it's it's clearly not enough. You know, Isaiah Foskey has been an afterthought. Jason Adamalola has been an afterthought. And as Brian likes to say, it's time for the stars to be stars. And so if UNLV could put Cal on their backs four times, I'm hoping that Notre Dame can at least get a couple. You know, let, you would think so. Let, this seems see like a big opportunity. This seems yes. like a big opportunity for Notre Dame's defense today. Absolutely. hundred percent. So let's let's go have some fun defense. Let's fly around the field and let's not give up a 94 plus yard drive at the end of the game. How about that? That's right. Vigo, yes, I did go to Kansas. I'm actually uh, from Kansas. I spent most of my young life, the 70s and 80s, living in the state of Kansas. That's where my mom was from originally. And uh, yeah, so went to the University of Kansas. And and, uh, my sister went to Kansas State University. So we went went to uh, 
to rival schools. But uh, yes, Rock Chuck. <laughs> Does that ever come up? Does that ever come up with the rival school thing? Do you guys? You, you, you know fight? what's funny? You know what's funny about that is the University of Kansas is in Lawrence, Kansas. Mm -hmm. Kansas State University is in Manhattan, Kansas. Right. And we lived in Manhattan for five years when oh. I was young. And I was more a Wildcat fan back then. And my sister was a Jayhawk fan. Ah. But what happened was she uh, was a... Uh, basketball player, you know, college basketball player. She she ended up getting a scholarship, played basketball at Kansas State, where she finished in the top five in both scoring and rebounding in her career before she left there. Uh, so she ended up, even though, she, you know, so she was a Jayhawk fan living in Manhattan when we were growing up. She went to Kansas State. I went uh, into the Army for four years after high school, came back. I went to the University of Kansas, even though I was a K-State fan growing up so it was crazy kind of odd <laughs> that's right crazy. that's right uh how did i end up a notre dame fan with the kansas background my uh grandfather on my dad's side irish catholic you know and the whole thing and so that's kind of where it came from the uh the irish catholic background and yep. uh was so was also you know like Back in the seventies, there wasn't the you know there wasn't the the NBC contract and all that stuff, but Notre Dame was still Notre Dame, and you know the it was you know the the typical, you know you're a Catholic living in Kansas. That was kind of, especially with Kansas and Kansas State not right. being any good at all in football, and I did not like either Nebraska or Oklahoma, and you know so so Notre Dame, you know that's they they kind of became my my college team way back when, and that's how that happened. And I've lived here as you know for twenty two years now. Boom. Getting to cover Notre Dame and doing different play-by-play -play and stuff like that. So that's enough on me. <laughs> <laughs> There's the background. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, but to what you were saying, I think this is a big opportunity for Notre Dame's defense. Get after Jack Plummer. Not a really good offensive line. If you can get sacked four times by UNLV, Notre Dame should be able to get to him today. Really really need to see that happen. Make him have to make some bad decisions right. because he is not a very mobile quarterback. And again, the offensive line is not that great. What's interesting watching them, watching their game, some of their game last week, and Jesse brought this up and going back and looking, when they line up in the shotgun, they're going to throw the ball probably 95% of the time. When Plummer comes up under center, they're going to run the ball probably 95% of the time. So that's huh. at least the tell that they had last week, you know, unless they right. were just doing that, you know, to, you know, to, to maybe try to throw Notre Dame off this week as they scouted, you know, I don't know what UC Davis looked like, but that's at least what they were showing last week. Huh. It seems like a pretty easy tell, you know, if that's how you're doing it. So I'll be curious to see if that continues this afternoon at Notre Dame stadium. That is a terrible tell. Like if yeah. that is your offense, then that is not a college-level <laughs> offense by any stretch of the imagination. So that is something I'm going to be keeping my eye on during the game to see if that that holds. Because if it does, I mean, Notre Dame just needs to tee off and just go to town. I mean, it, that that's such an obvious tell. So, yeah, that that is going to be very interesting. And then also, if they just do the complete opposite today based on what they did last week, too, would be right. a pretty big tell as well. So, right. uh, yeah, great opportunity for Notre Dame's defense, for sure. This offense has been the weak part of the Cal team 
for quite a while, to be honest. And, yeah. you know, Notre Dame's defense has an opportunity to really kind of get some things in motion and, and do some things that they want to do. And, you know, we've seen the middle of this defense just weak against the run. And I know we're going to talk about the run game here in a second for Cal, but I mean, how do you not watch the first two games and think, hey, we can just go right up the middle on these guys yeah. and get yards? You'd have to think so. You'd have to think so because they've they've got a pretty good young running back, Jaden Ott. He's been the Pac-12 freshman of the week both weeks so far. Uh, he is the first freshman to ever do that to win it in consecutive weeks to start right. off a season against UNLV last week. Seven carries for 52 yards and had a career high three receptions as well. Scored two total touchdowns in Week One against UC Davis. He topped the century mark on 17 carries and then uh, had a couple receptions as well for 26 yards. So he is a, a multi-threat kind of guy. But again, like if 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 they show their hand that much in terms of formation with what they are doing, that seems like it should be a, uh, a relatively easy fix. But again, we'll see if that actually we'll continues yeah. today. We'll, we'll see if that trend holds. And But again, even if it doesn't, I still feel like this is a great opportunity for the Notre Dame defense. Yeah. Jeremiah Hunter and J. Michael Sturdivant, their uh, two top receivers, they have combined for 21 catches and 261 yards so far. And like, if you took Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame's offense, where would where would the reset? You know, the the uh, the, the the pass game production be right now? But um, yeah, so you know, again, they've got some threats, but. The offensive line is suspect. If Cal is able to run the ball effectively, though, that's what's going to keep them in this game. Notre Dame has to be able to shut that down today. If they're able to run the ball effectively, I mean, Notre Dame needs to just go back to the drawing board defensively. I, yep. they, there is no reason that Notre Dame shouldn't be able to shut down this run game for Cal. I, I'm not worried about the pass game. They're going to be a run first team, you know, Plummer can throw the ball around, don't get me wrong, but I have faith in the Notre Dame secondary. They're going to be able to neutralize that. It all comes down to the run game and the trenches, and I know that that is cliche to say that the game's going to come down to the trenches, but Notre Dame needs to dominate with their front seven against this offensive line. They absolutely need to. They need to get the backfield. They need to get, you know, tackles for loss, and they need to get a turnover. We're, yeah. we're going we're gonna to be, th- this is our third game into the season and have yet to force a turnover. Like, that's, that's a huge problem with this quote unquote ball hawking defense, right? And that they practice turnovers and they practice creating turnovers and all of these different things. I haven't seen it, you know, and we, and frankly, Notre Dame hasn't really been close to creating any turnovers. So no. they need to create one of the people in the chat. And I apologize for not remembering who it is. Oh, there it is. It's Adam. He says the defense needs to get on the board with a turnover today. Could Big time. I agree more. I mean, Big time. you have to, you're going on the road next week to North Carolina or next game to North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, you, you need to create a turnover and get some positive momentum defensively. If you have any prayer of going into North Carolina and slowing down that offense. And they only have like two pass breaks up breakups. I think at this point right. as well. And it's just, so they have, yeah, they have not been close to coming up with anything. And Al Golden, the, we're going to be able to, Talk to the coordinators every Tuesday going forward throughout the season. And Golden and Tommy Reese both came out this Tuesday. And and Al Golden was, you know, frustrated with the fact that that hasn't happened because they did spend time on that during the yeah. individual drills 
during training camp, offensive guys were working on ball security. Defensive guys were working on ball disruption. Fortunately, besides the interceptions that we saw, you know, those are the first turnovers that Notre Dame had the interceptions last week. But defense just really has not come close to anything. But like you look at a guy, again, like when you look at Isaiah Foskey and how this matchup should favor a guy with his skill, he forced six fumbles last right. year. A lot of strip right. sacks that he had last year. So if he can get to the quarterback, I think we see some of that finally today. Yeah, absolutely. And he he needs to come out of his shell or wherever he's been hiding the last two weeks, and he needs to make a mark on this defense. He's arguably your, your best defensive player. Yeah. Right. I mean, coming into the season, he should was be your best defensive player. Yeah. Right. And and he needs to play like it. You need. You know, it's it's uh, you know, what what was the the line from Rudy? You're you're a captain on this team and an All American. Act like it. Like, right. <laughs> he needs to act like it. He needs to show on the field that he is that guy. Right. Know? So that's what I need to see. Yep. Cal's defense is very unique in how they operate. They'll only have sometimes two down linemen at times. One of them is the nose guard, six foot four, three hundred and thirty-five pound Ricky Correa. Sometimes they'll have three down linemen, but whether it's two or three, they've got a lot of guys standing up with just those two to three down linemen. So, what kind of challenges do you think that poses for Notre Dame today, Vince? Well, it poses a challenge to what we think that they've been doing the the most poor up to this point is the communication piece of it. Because exactly. When you've got guys down, you've got guys up, you never know where the pressure is going to be coming from. Yep. You have to be able to communicate with the guy next to you when it comes to combo blocks, when it comes to blitz pickups, when it comes to stunt pickups. You have to be able to communicate. You can't turn your shoulders you know, away from the line of scrimmage. You can't go perpendicular to the line of scrimmage. You have to stay parallel because if you go perpendicular, that not only does it make you skinnier, but it allows holes to the quarterback you can't have that. So you've got to stay parallel. You've got to communicate, whether it's physical communication, when it's come to combos and and uh, and and climbs, or whether it's verbal communication, me, 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 you, 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 stay, 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 go, 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 whatever it happens to be. You ha- they, These guys have to communicate. If their communication hasn't gotten any better from the first two weeks, then Cal's going to pose some issues for Notre Dame's offensive line. No doubt about it. And Cal's defense is their strength. I mean, that's what they do the best. Right. And part of that is because they confuse offensive linemen. So they need they need to communicate, man. That That is by far the most important thing today. Well, and you throw in the fact that you've got a first-time starter at quarterback who only has a hand, you know, five games of experience, to his credit, a handful of snaps in those games. Yeah, and it's... it's um, it's going to be a real challenge, and yeah. I, you know, how Notre Dame responds to that. Like Jesse and I were talking the other day, and again, based on the way Notre Dame's offensive line has performed so far, and what Cal is able to do inside to cause that kind of disruption, I think a lot more stuff on the perimeter is warranted. And to me, again, I know that a lot of people have been be- beating the Chris Tyree drum. But I think it is more relevant now than ever. Chris Tyree has the skill set that can let you be successful. The runs don't have to be perfect or, you know, the blocking doesn't have to be perfect with Chris Tyree. If you can get him out either in space, you know, whether it's a screen pass 
a wheel route, you know, any of those different things coming out of the backfield or run plays outside. Chris Tyree is the guy who who is much more capable of winning those battles with the ball in his hand. I think attacking the perimeter is where Notre Dame is really no, going to need to make its hay today against yes. Cal. Well, I mean, look, I, I'm packing the box, right? If I'm Cal, I, you know, somebody said they're going to put eight in the box. I agree. I, they, you stop Notre Dame's run game, they haven't proven that they can throw the ball. And when you've got a first-time starter at quarterback, why would you not do that? Make him beat you. Yeah. Excuse me. And I think that is going to be the key for Cal, and it's going to be the key for Notre Dame. Maybe, just maybe, we see a couple screen passes, you know, this week. I mean, that would be a novel idea. What's I, that, I don't, Vince? I don't. I what, what's I, a screen pass? <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know, a screen pass to Chris Tyree, where he gets the ball in space. I mean... Look, <laughs> I just, it, <laughs> I, I don't even, I, I want to be re- as respectful as possible, right? But there seems to be some very obvious things you can do with this offense to negate putting eight guys in the box. Right. Getting the wide receivers involved, some tunnel screens, some bubble screens, some running back screens, some tight end screens. That's fine if you want to do that. Just don't throw it to Bauman because he's slower than you and me. But <laughs> tight end screen to Michael Mayer. That's fine. Let's do that. Or how about, a tight end screen to one of the freshmen who do have wheels and hands. You know, that's always something that you could do. But those guys got to get on the field first. So there's a lot of things you can do offensively that I think can, well, can stymie the Cal defense. Things like some of that that jet sweep motion and things like yes. that, or just pre-snap motion as well, I think can really help out Drew Pine. Just to, you know, again, help an inexperienced quarterback recognize is it man-to-man is it zone because that's something he needs to know obviously just put a man in motion so that he can see how Cal's defense reacts to that there's a lot of different you know and and again like Braden Lindsay on contested throws has you know not been your guy there but there are different things that you can do with a guy with with Braden Lindsay's speed either to get him that you know whether it's handing him the ball you know, shorter pass, some of that different stuff. Sure. There, there are just so many different things that they can do with this that they haven't necessarily tapped into yet. Yeah, completely agree. And it, it's, they've, they've been, you know, for lack of a better term, they've just been too vanilla for me offensively. Yeah. They need, they need to expand things out a little bit. And again, I know that can be complicated with a first year starter, but or a first game starter, but Drew Pine has been in this offense for three years. Okay, or two plus years. This is his third year in the offense. I think he's got the playbook down. That's one thing Drew Pine has going for him is that he's a very smart kid and he understands the offense, right? He's this is his third year in the offense. I think that you can go into this game with a little bit more of a wide open playbook than you would if Steve Angeli was going to be the quarterback who's been in this offense for six months, right? So I, I think that is a plus for Drew Pine coming into this game. He has the most experience of any quarterback on the roster as far as time in the program. No, exactly. And, uh, you know, again, like, does Tommy Reese dramatically change this up? I, I don't even know what you would call the offense they were running with Tyler Buckner. Like, you know, I've said this before. I feel like, to an extent, the way they were, he ended up, I think, with 13 carries last week. But a lot of those kind of came as the game went on. You know, it was a basically like, okay, we've got to move the ball now. So now we're going to let Buckner run the yeah. football a little bit. You know, those kind of things. It, it, it To me, it almost felt like they had trying to 
they had been trying to protect him from what ultimately happened because of the fact that he has been a little bit injury prone and maybe you were concerned about that that like they wanted to run him as little as possible but last week when they had to move the ball they went to some more rpo type stuff they went to some tempo they ran him a little bit you know that and then ultimately what happened happened do you think that the offense, you know, not not again, not that Drew Pine is going to be a big runner, but do you think that the offense for Drew Pine maybe looks a little bit more like it did when Notre Dame was having some success last week? It'll look, it has possibilities of looking similar, but it won't be to the extent of Drew running the ball. I mean, right, I, and, and that, yeah, again. And that's, that's, the, that's the difference. Now, <clears throat> I, I don't mind getting Drew outside the pocket, you know, you know, rolling the coverage, that, that kind of a thing. I don't mind that. That's what got Tyler going last week. It was him running yeah. the ball. It was running the RPOs. And just as a reminder, because we talked about this a lot last week or last year when Jack Cohn was the quarterback, an RPO doesn't mean that the quarterback is running the football. That means he has the option to hand it off or to run throw play. the ball. Right. Pass play. Run, pass option, <laughs> not run QB pass option. Exactly. RPO. That's that's more zone read. Correct. When you're talking about whether or not the yes. quarterback is an option to yes, run. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I wish I had a nickel for every time they're like, hey, they're not, you can't run RPOs with a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, you can, and they will. Uh, but I, And I think that that can be a very beneficial part of the offense if they do that with Drew, you know, because he is six foot tall, right? He's not yeah. going to be able to just stand in the pocket and pick apart teams. But that, that, I don't think that's his game. He also does have the ability, if you did run – you know, some of the zone yes. read to legitimately pull the ball. Not like Jack Cohn, who was never going to pull the ball last year. Again, he's not a blazer like Tyler there. Buckner, but right. he is more mobile. He can, he, he can, yeah, he, he can at least be a threat from time to time. Absolutely. He can absolutely be the threat. You're ha you're going to have to account for him. I mean, he, he's not going to be as a dynamic of a runner as like an Ian book, for example, or a Tyler Buckner, but at the same time, he can be, a threat to get eight to 15 yards, five yards, whatever, if you're not going to respect the quarterback on the zone read, right? So he does have that in his arsenal. So we'll see. Yeah. So do you think it's, if you had to bet, are you betting it's going to be a tempo offense predominantly today? So when it comes to betting with Notre Dame, yeah, uh, I guess maybe that's I, not a good I was, choice I was right now. Last week, so I know I will say a lot of people I'm were hoping. I'm hoping that it is a tempo offense because I think that that will maximize Drew Pine's abilities both mentally and physically. I I think a, a tempo offense can be very good. Right. What's your biggest concern with Drew Pine? His accuracy. I mean, that, that's my biggest concern right now. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the world. You know, it, he might he might leave it high and sail it right into a safety's correct. hands. Yes, that, that's what worries me the most. Um, I, you know, he can throw the long ball. Tyler has a better long ball than Drew does, you know, and I know people are going to push back on that based on what they've seen over the last two weeks. But Tyler throws a better long ball than Drew. So, you know, are they going to be able to stretch the field with Drew? That That's a question I would have going into it. I hope he proves me wrong, uh, you know, but his accuracy in the deep ball, I think, would be the biggest thing. Yeah. And and that yes. exactly. Arm Somebody strength. saying arm strength. Yeah. Yep. Right. Absolutely. He's he is more Tommy Reese, you know, than he is other guys like he. Right. I, I feel like Tommy Reese is going to identify 
with Drew Pine a little bit. Yeah, and I've seen, you know, will right. take chances, you know, writing checks that his arm may not be able to cash, you know, stuff like that. That's very Tommy Reese-ish, you know. So can is Drew Pine that guy? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and you know, I've seen some people say Ian Book 2.0, but the the difference being, I think there's a bit a bigger chance for some turnovers with Drew Pine than there was with Ian Book because Ian Book, as we've seen before, would just eat the ball rather than Correct. throwing an interception. And basically. and look, Drew's going to throw the ball. I mean, he'll he'll right. he'll try to squeeze it into tight places and he'll do some of the things that we were banging on Ian Book for not doing. But then that also leads to potential turnovers so right you kind of have to balance that right I mean we were begging Ian Book to throw the ball more not run out of bounds and take a sack Drew's not going to do that I don't think I think he's going to throw the ball but you know with that comes the possibility for turning the ball over yep Notre Dame's offense right now is averaging just 4.9 yards per play 3.1 yards per carry they rank 117th in the nation scoring offense 15 and a half points a game now again part of that is who you play and stuff like that sure. you still should have scored more against marshall last week though oh, but absolutely buckner right now is the team's leading rusher with 62 yards through games estimate is next with 54 and andrick is only averaging 2.8 per carry so i'm gonna i'm just gonna open up this can of worms and <laughs> we'll go wherever it goes i mean i know where it's gonna go but let's just Talk about what they need to do to finally get this offense kick-started, regardless of who the quarterback is, but it is right. going to be Drew Pine. What do they have to do to get this offense kick-started today against a good Cal defense? Honestly, I think it comes down to one thing, the offensive line. I, it, the offensive line needs to step up. They, they need to play better. I mean, they, they need to fire off the ball, keep their feet moving. They got to communicate better. They, they have to finish blocks. You know, all of those different things need to be fundamentally sound. If they can do all of that, automatically the run game gets going. Okay, so now if the run game gets going, now Cal has to focus on that. That opens up the pass game, right? I think it all starts with the offensive line. And then if we're talking about the pass game, right, how about we keep some rushers off of the quarterback? That would be a great start to help with the pass game as well. I mean, Tyler Butner was running for his life a lot of times, or he was taking sacks, or he was getting hit while he was throwing, or, you know, all of those different things that everybody was blaming Tyler for. How about we keep him a clean pocket and let him go through his reads and all of those different things? Drew Pine is not as mobile as Tyler is. You're going to have to keep guys off of Drew, right? So yes. do you need to move the pocket around? Do you need, you know, those are all the different things that need to happen. I think it all starts and finishes with the offensive line. Uh, I agree that it starts with the offensive line, but it also is, you know, what everyone else can see. But for some reason, Tommy Reese and the coaching staff has not been able to see so far is right. why you don't include Chris Tyree more <laughs> in the game plan. When you look at, at, at how things have gone so far, it, like when he has the ball in his hands, he has been the best runner of the football, and he obviously has the most speed of anyone in the football. And, like, there's a lot of things to like about Audric Estime. And this is not, you know, a slide on Audric Estime, but for Estime to be successful, he needs the line to be better right now. There needs to be a crease, there needs to be a hole for him Correct. to get that up there through. Chris Tyree can make things happen when things are not perfect because of the combination of his speed his shiftiness, 
and all those different things. You just bottom line, you need more Chris Tyree out there. No doubt. Oh, absolutely. Or with the ball in his hands, because he's been out there a lot. He just hasn't got the ball in his hands enough. You, you need like Chris Tyree is the number one. Then there's a little bit of a gap. Then you need Tobias Merriweather out there. You need to get yes. You know the other wide receivers more involved. You, you know, and this look. We haven't brought up Chancey Stuckey and his group yet, right? And I think this is probably a good place to do that. I haven't seen the development from the wide receiver group either. And that's yeah. been very disappointing to me. Based on what I saw at practice, it has not translated to the game field yet. Right. That's a huge problem. You know, the releases, for example, we and we talked about this throughout the week, the release of Braden Lindsay on a deep ball, right? He releases outside. No move to the inside to get the corner to come inside. Give him more room to the outside. He's going right up that sideline. That makes that a really hard throw to make. And that's why he got thrown out of bounds on that one play. It was a great catch, but he was two feet out of bounds. If he rides that corner into the playing field a little bit more, he's got more room to work with. That's a completion, different game, right? So we need to see more development from the wide receiver group as well that we have not seen up to this point. No, for sure. And you know, the Tobias Merriweather thing is still a question as well. And, you know, they've talked about the fact that they need to have more confidence in him and, and those kind of things. And, you know, look, it's it's something that we've heard a lot when it comes to freshman wide receivers. The bottom line is they are a depleted group, a group that is not producing the way it should be right now. How much you put on the offensive coordinator, how much you put on the guy who was the quarterback, you know, there's there's different blame Sure. to go around but the bottom line is Tobias Mether, Tobias Merriweather has a a, a skill set a combination skill set that they need on this team especially like yes. when you look at some mismatches they'll have with Cal with an inexperienced quarterback the, the the fact that he doesn't know the entire offense should not matter at this point because I, I keep going back you know there's a quarterback who played with Golden Tate that uh, I've talked to quite a bit about how they got Golden Tate on the field. Golden Tate didn't know the entire offense when he was a freshman and right. and for you know part of the time when he was a sophomore either. What they would do, they would line Golden they would get Golden Tate on the field for you know a certain amount of plays per game and when they did, they would always line him up on closest to the Notre Dame sideline so that when he lined up, they could just say Golden, here's what you're doing. You know, it was just that simple. Because he had speed, you know, he had a skill set that nobody else on that roster had. And it's really just that simple. It, it doesn't have to be that complicated, you know, and it can be 15 to 20 plays or, you know, 12 to 15, whatever it happens to be. You can get him on the field if you want to get him on the field. And, and we all know that he's got the kind of skill set that can help this right. team and the, and the quarterback right now. Oh, no doubt about it. They, they need to get some of these young guys involved. I mean, it, people will call this a lost season. Well, I mean, if lost season means you're not playing for a national championship anymore, then okay. I mean, I, I I get where you're coming from. It's time to play some other guys. It's time to see what else, what these other guys can do. And there's no better time to do that than when you're at home against what was perceived in the preseason to be a lesser opponent. We'll see what happens on the field. I don't want to make any kind of assumptions at this point. But yeah. this is a great opportunity to get some other guys on the field, period, yep. with some of those younger guys. Sean has threw in a super chat. Any word on Xavier Watts' progress on offense? Um, not necessarily any word, but, you know, again, for a guy, they moved over there to help out this receiving core. I don't, I don't think we've seen him at all offensively yet, nope. right? The snaps that he's taken have all been defensive so yes. far. Yep. They've all been on defense and which is surprising to me. 
a little bit because he was practicing exclusively with the offense when we were there. That could have been a smoke screen, could have been whatever, but he was exclusively with the offense when we were there. And so I was anticipating seeing him get some snaps on offense. And that has not been the case up to this point. It's been all defense for Xavier Watts. And that's personally, that's very disappointing. I was really hoping to see him on offense. I think he can do some of the things that we've been talking about with Chris Tyree. I think Xavier Watts can do a lot of those things in space as well. Yeah. They haven't gone that route, which is, which is disappointing. I think so too. You've mentioned the offensive line. There's a lot that needs cleaning up, excuse me, on both sides of the ball. Execution is the keyword that Marcus Freeman used earlier this week. And, you know, not the kind that Brian Kelly made the bad joke about last year, but, uh, you know, executing on any given play. And, you know, so Thursday it came up. He discussed how they've gone about trying to clean some things up in practice this week. And I'll read a couple quotes that Marcus Freeman had on this subject. Got a sip of my water there first because a couple of these are long. Quote, what I've been really trying to focus on is, hold on, let's make sure we look at every position on every play and are we executing our assignment or not? If there's confusion, what do we have to do to correct that? That could be coaching it better. That could be taking the play out. That could be changing something within the scheme. What I've been doing and what we've been doing is really trying to focus on practice in the past two games with a really critical eye. Not looking at the outcome, not looking at it, was the player successful or not, but really looking at each player on the field at that time, and was he getting his job done or was he not? And not overlooking that if we need to stop practice, stop practice to correct mistakes. If we need to take something out of the scheme, take it out but let's give our guys a chance to truly have success because they know exactly what they're doing on every single play End quote from Marcus Freeman. So what do you think about that Vince? It sounds like they're going back to basics and they're going back to, okay, this is who we want to be, but maybe this is who we are. And I think that is some smart reflection on the head coach's part, maybe the whole staff, but they're saying, Hey, Okay, we went into the season with an idea of who we wanted to be, who who we wanted this team to be. Well, maybe we can't live up to that just yet. So who are we right now? What do we do well? What can we do? What can we be successful with? And then let's build on that. And if we can't be successful, let's cut it out. It's kind of going back to the basics, Sean, which frankly, I'm okay with. Do what you do best. It's like, when I'm calling plays or I'm suggesting plays to an offensive coordinator in my younger days and I, and you know, for example, we're running trap and we're just executing the crap out of trap over and over. We're getting seven, eight yards of carry. And he's like, well, we can't keep doing the same thing. <laughs> Why not make them stop you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's working, let's just keep doing That's, what's working. You, it, know. you know, it's the same thing, you know, like you and I have both coached baseball. It's the same thing. Like when you're calling pitches, it's like if a guy is overmatched with a fastball, don't bother changing speeds and throw him a curveball or a changeup. Exactly. Keep feeding him what he can't hit. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Just keep <laughs> whatever works, keep doing that. And that's what I read between the lines here is he's saying we need to find out what we do well and we need to stick to that. And if we see mistakes, we're going to correct them on the spot, you know? So, I mean, I like the idea. I like what he's saying here. Let's see if it proves to be, you know, good during a game. Well, I like what he's talking about. You know, again, he's what what he's what he's saying is, 
okay, not just go on, well, the play ended up working, so, you know, something must have been right. You can still look at it critically and say, well, you know, maybe their guy fell down, so that's part of why it succeeded. But I like the fact that they're saying, you know, we can take some scheme away. We can take some things away from the playbook. In other words, narrow it down, basically doing what you're talking about right there, figuring out what we're actually good at and not just running a bunch of plays or a bunch of scheme to say that we're doing it, but narrowing it down and and figuring out what they're actually good at. Do that as much as possible. You know, you can run the same play out of multiple formations, for example. And if it works every time, you just keep doing it, like you said, until they stop you. So, Again, I'm curious to see what that looks like, especially from the offensive side of the ball, where it seems like Tommy Reese has just been running this. You know, it's like he's got all these these things in his head, obviously. It seems like he's definitely been trying to do too much, and the focus really needed to narrow down with with what he's calling and trying to use out there. Absolutely. And it's almost like there are offensive coordinators out there, and I've worked with a few, you know, at the high school level where they're – almost too smart for their own good, or they're trying to look smarter than they need to be, I guess is the best way to put it. Man, just narrow it down. Let's figure out what you do well and just do it. That That's the key right now. And when you're 0-2 and you're trying to find some semblance of an offense, that's what you need to do. And so we said before that it appeared last year that Marcus Freeman was a comp, uh, you know, he was good at analyzing himself and adjusting throughout the season. He did it as the defensive coordinator at Notre right. Dame. I, right. I, I'm a, I was hopeful that he would do that as the head coach at Notre Dame. This quote leads me to believe that he's going down that path. And that's kind of, you know, some of that came up at the Thursday press conference, you know, going back to last year, you know, after they had given up some explosive plays and given up a lot of points. And he said that as well, like, you can't get you couldn't get caught up in the result last year. Well, we're two and zero, so even though we gave up almost seventy points through two games, it doesn't matter. He said there were still a lot of things you could look at critically, and we did see his defense get better as right. the season went on, and we yes. saw fewer of those explosive plays. Well, and the other thing was last year, and I know that I'm harping on last year, but he went in front of the whole defense. He's like, "Hey, you know, the call against Florida State that was me. That that was my bad. I made that mistake." He's willing to put it on him, and I think that. Having that, there's not a lot of coaches that are going to blame themselves in front of the team. And I think Marcus Freeman can do something like that and still keep the team. You know what I mean? And so I think that's important as well. And, and, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but he could have gone in front of me like, Hey, you know, my bad. I thought I was trying to make us into a team that we aren't yet. You know, let's go back and figure out who we are this week against Cal and let's just go win a football game. You know what I mean? And again, that's me speculating. I don't know that that actually happened, but I'm reading a lot into the quote that he had and right. leads me to believe that's a possibility. Yep. Well, and again, when you look at the defense now specifically, they've given up 90-plus yard touchdown drives in the fourth quarter in both games so far. So is that is that more distressing than those you know 30-plus yard explosives that we saw them giving up with Marcus Freeman's defense last year? I mean, I mean, both both are bad, but right, right, yeah, but yeah, that's exactly right. I the, the ninety yard drives, I think, are the worst for me because you have opportunities to correct and change, and you know, one play is one play. You know what I mean? And 
the, the drives are just killers, man. I, it's just, it, it's the drives are more concerning to me as opposed to the one play. So I will say that, and that maybe that's not what people want to hear, but that's how I feel. You have opportunities to make plays. You have opportunities to correct, and they didn't, and that was concerning. Yeah, well, you know, and something else that came up this week a couple of different times with, with both Al Golden and with Marcus Freeman is the rotation of defensive players because it's one thing if you're going to, you know, like third series of the game, you, you work in one or two subs, you know, you, you know, you try to keep guys fresh, obviously. But when you see half a defensive unit out there that is a, a number two or number three guy, and then late in the game, like on that third and 10, when you've got multiple backups out there, you know, like when the game is on the line in the fourth quarter and you're at that point of the game, you play your reserves again in different spots. I don't, I still don't think you do it all together, but you play them in different spots, like in the second and third quarter, right. so that in the fourth quarter, your number one guys, the guys who are supposed to be your best players, are their most fresh and should be out there in the most important situations of the game. Absolutely agree. You need your best when they're, when. I, I use this this phrase, maybe it's a bad phrase, when it's nut-cutting time, you need to have <laughs> your guys on the field, the guys that you trust, the starters, you start them for a reason, right? Those are the guys that you want on the field. I totally understand a rotation throughout the game, but when you're talking about the drive at the end, you need to have your guys in there, and if they can't handle it, then maybe they're not your guys. Maybe you need to find somebody else that can do it, right? But yeah, fully agree that you need to have your guys rested and ready to go for for a drive that is so important like that in both games, frankly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Vince, do you know what we've come to? I know exactly what we've come to. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. <laughs> Excited. It is here. It is Love countdown it. rapid fire. Countdown to kickoff rapid fire time. You got a, you got a lot of questions in here this week, man. I know. I know. I wasn't sure how many we would need. So I guess we'll see how far we go. I mean, there's there's a lot of things to be asking questions about, I guess, this week. <laughs> you know, so that's fair. <laughs> okay. Notre Dame's favored by 11 and a half. The over-under for this game is 40 and a half. Which way are you going on those lines? Right now, Notre Dame to me, from a betting standpoint, is a friggin' enigma. I, you know, so I, full disclosure, I have bet on every Notre Dame game the last <laughs> like two years. I'm not touching this one because I just don't know. Now, for the purpose of this question, I will say that I'm going to take Cal plus the points and I'm going to take the under because I just Ooh, don't okay. trust. I just don't trust the offenses of either team at the moment. I, I just don't. I don't think Cal's offense is very good and Notre Dame's offense hasn't shown me anything. So, I'm taking the plus and I'm taking the under. Yeah, I 11 and a half, especially considering the anemic nature of Notre Dame's offense so far, it seems amazing that Notre Dame would be favored by 11 and a half in this yeah. game. It just Agreed. it's one of those Vegas head scratching things. I I this feels much more like a six and a half point game than an 11 and a half point game. So I like Cal plus the 11 and a half, but I like the over on this. My score prediction, slightly over, but will be okay. over 40 and a half points today. So I like Cal plus 11 and a half, but I like the over on 40 and a half. You know, it's funny. Total. I should actually like 
look at my predictions to see if I even follow what the uh, <laughs> what what the what the over unders and all of those different things are. I can't even remember what I predicted. I but the, the bottom line is I just my faith in both offenses is waning at the moment. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. John Christophic says Notre Dame scored 21 last week. They did. Cal's defense is supposed to be better though. And again, first time quarterback and you know yeah. all those different factors. You know, they'll probably come out and end up scoring 35 points today. So, you know, and again, it'll be like, what do any of us know? Yeah. And my prediction has the under, by the way. So I guess I okay. stayed consistent with myself. Okay. Fill in the blank. The Drew Pine-led Irish offense will be blank today. Jack Conish. I'll say that. I think it'll be Jack Conish. I think he's going to – I think the offense needs to be – and I'll Jack Conish, second half of the season. I think they need to go tempo. I think they need to distribute the ball. They need to get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. That's the only way I see this offense doing anything. So that's what I'm going to say. We have multiple answers. Justin says vanilla. Yeah. John says awesome. And yeah, Brian says confused. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, it could be. I mean, could be a confusing vanilla awesome offense, right? We, like, <laughs> I, here, here's here's my thing. So. Brian J. Irish says confused. I, I think that the three of us up in the press box the last two weeks have been confused about uh, for that. sure. So for I think sure. Maybe we're gonna be confused. I don't know about the kids, but we'll see. Yeah. I think it's gonna have more energy today. Like I do think that there is gonna be more risk reward to this offense because of the nature of sure. Drew Pine. But again, like if you look at some of the things that that caused Tyler Buckner some problems, Drew Pine should be. Drew Pine should have a little bit better handle. I mean, if we're if we're to take him at what he says at face value, this guy is a film cruncher. You know, like he buries himself in that film room. Now, can he recognize zone versus man to man? Again, like I think you put somebody in motion that you can help him out with that greatly to give him a better pre snap feel. You know, for for what he is likely to see out there defensively. And if you keep him in a situation. To give him six, you know, like Cone-esque, I saw in the tempo, we should see that. I think we're going to see more energy. I think all it takes is Drew Pine hitting a couple plays early, and then we're going to see the Conor McGregor billionaire strut in the whole thing. That's right. I, I think that that he, this offense, not only, you know, needs some guys to make plays, they need someone, someone's energy they can feed off. And Tommy right. Reese said that earlier this week that that Drew Pine is a guy who can give this team, this offense, the right kind of energy they need because you just haven't seen that from anybody so far. And, you know, the quarterback position, it starts from the quarterback on down. So I think that that he can potentially give this offense a shot in the arm with, with the kind of energy that they need right now. Well, and, and we've always said Drew has always been the vocal leader on this team. I mean, he just has been. And, and – at practice, I mean, he's the guy that's high-fiving everybody and getting everybody fired up. I mean, that will translate to the field. And he's yeah. going to be doing that during the game when plays are made, right? And so he's going to be getting up in guys' faces and getting excited and celebrating and the whole thing. And I think fans are going to dig that. And I think the team will feed off of that, to your point. I, I think that's a really good point. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Which number will be greater today? Pine's total touchdowns or Tobias Merriweather's receptions? I So I'm, I've got to go off of facts, right? Okay. <clears throat> I think Drew Pine's going to score some touchdowns today. I think he's going to throw a couple maybe. You know, we'll see. And they haven't played Tobias Merriweather a single snap. <laughs> so right. as much as I want to say Tobias Merriweather, that's where I want to go with this. But if I want to be right, I've got to go with Drew Pine. Yeah. And a couple people chiming in. I, I've got to go with Drew Pine for right now because we all want to see Tobias Merriweather. And let's <laughs> let's say Tobias gets on the field. I think best case scenario we're looking at is two to three catches, you know. So you're looking at probably if if Notre Dame's offense is at least going to get to the end zone, you're probably looking at a push on that because they did get their only touchdown pass that they've got so far with Drew Pine last okay. week. Go ahead. You've here's got another devil, point to make. Yeah, here's a devil's advocate for you, Sean. Okay. So Drew has been the number two quarterback for, what, three, four weeks at this point? Right. Tobias Merriweather has been running with the twos. Good point. Three to four weeks. Good thinking. So maybe like where your got, head's at. Maybe they've got a connection. Maybe, you know, Drew really trusts. Tobias. I like it. I like it. I, maybe I they match it. up. Maybe they match maybe. up. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, if it happens, I wouldn't be surprised. How about that? I like it. I like it. I, I've got to go with Drew Pine right now, too, until yeah. we see, because we, we don't even know if Tobias is actually going to get on the field. We all want him to get on the field. We all think he should be on the field. But for right now, I've got to go with Drew Pine. I, I like I like that line of thinking. We'll though. see. I hope so, because that would be yeah. so much fun. Okay. And maybe that impacts their thinking. You know, like, hey, he's been working with right. Drew Pine. And maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe something it. happened in practice this week yeah. that they saw. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Who's going to have more total touches for the Irish today? Audric Estime, Michael Mayer, or Chris Tyree? Again, going off of the first two games, I think you got to say Michael Mayer here. Now, I want it to be Chris Tyree. I want him to have the most touches. I, you know what? I'm going to be Mr. Positive on this one. I'm going with Chris Tyree. I think he okay. gets the most touches. Okay. Estime has 19 carries so far through two games. Zero catches, right? Zero catches. Okay. Chris Tyree, nine carries, three receptions. So 12 total touches. Diggs has 11 carries so far. I just think that you need to pare down probably Logan Diggs right now. Yeah, and, you know, like all these questions have been coming at Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese about why not more Chris Tyree. So again, like it's, He's out there all the time. They just haven't put the ball in his hands 
so far. He's he's actually got you know quite a few reps uh, with the you know with with the offense through these first two games. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna think on on the positive side as well. I'm gonna say that it is going to be Chris Tyree because Michael Mayer. I think it is is it is it twelve receptions or thirteen receptions? I don't. Let me see if I've got that here real quick. It is 13 receptions, yeah, that he has. So that's, you know, basically six and a half per game. And that's right around what Tyree is averaging touches per game, six touches per game. So if he gets a bump up, he should easily, easily be the leader today. So, so I'm going to go with Chris Tyree as Come well. Come on, baby. Come on. Scale of one to 10. How much do you agree with this? If Notre Dame has more sacks than Cal and wins the turnover battle today, they will win their first game of the season. 10? I mean, that's a, a 12. There, no doubt Through the roof. It. Through the they roof. Fi- if they finally get sacks and they and they, they w- and get a turnover because they haven't got one all season, I mean, if they do all of that, I, I don't think it's a close game, to be honest with you. If, if they get a, if they get, let's say, let's say they match UNLV and sacks. So they get four, okay? And let's say they get two turnovers. I think Notre Dame wins by three touchdowns. So I, I think it would be a blowout at that point. I really do. We've, we've got eights. We've got tens. We've got nines. I'm going to go 10 out of 10 as well, because I think that, you know, like what we were talking about with Isaiah Foskey, one could go hand in hand with the other. If he gets to Jack Plummer today, I think oh. that ball is coming out of Plummer's hands Agreed. and it's going to lead to something big. So, I, you know, that's, that's what they've missed out on on two very close games that they have played and lost. No disruptive, no disruption, no disruptive plays, if I can spit it out, by the defense. That's what they've been waiting for. I think if they finally get it, it's going to lead, it's going to be the difference in the game. So I'm going to go 10 as well. Well, and don't you think Isaiah Foskey is going to be playing just ticked off at this point? I you mean, would he's think got, he's got to be play like a man possessed. Today was like, man, I have not shown up the last two games. He's got pride, right? I mean, he's got self-respect. He's he's not helping his team right now. All he's done is gotten 15-yard penalties. So, I, like, it's time, dude. It's time yeah. to see number seven go nuts. He's got to be playing at another level. Has yep. to be. I agree. Fill in the blank. Man, Titeo coming back to Notre Dame this weekend is blank. It's sweet. It's sweet. I mean, it, I, I, I'm – a fan of that. I I'm excited about, you know, him being back on campus and, and I'm really, really hoping that he gets a very positive reception. And I think that he will, uh, there's still those idiot fans out there that, that, that think, you know, whatever they need to think about the situation with Manti Teo. But, you know, when he was at Notre Dame, he was beloved. He was the captain. I mean, he was the heart and soul of this team he deserves to be treated that way. He's a, he's an all-time great at Notre Dame and I fully anticipate Notre Dame just wrapping their arms around him and, and just be, it being awesome. I think if you went most iconic Notre Dame players of the last 20 years, it's like Manti, Brady Quinn, Jeff Samarja, Jalen Smith, maybe Quentin Nelson would, would fall in there as well. You know, I mean, like he, it's, he it's a short second. list. Second in the Heisman Trophy validating. Yeah. I mean, that's saying something for a middle linebacker, you know? So he, he's beloved, and he needs to continue to be that way at Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I think it's great. It's kind of like the – I think Stymie said it in the chat, perfect timing. And that's that's what it is with this – you know, with the Netflix thing coming out, what, I guess it's been about a month ago now. Sure. 
at this point and the groundswell of support for him, it definitely seems like a great time. You know, his NFL career is over, so he's able to come back for something like this today. And uh, I, I hope it works out pretty well. I'm, I'm curious sort of what the origin of this was. And yeah. he is going to, I think he's going to walk from the Basilica. He's going to do the walk, I believe, with the team from the Basilica. Nice. And then he's supposed to come up into the press box uh, after that and meet with the media as a group up there. Oh, so kind of kind of curious to see, you know, like what kind of things he has to say, you know, maybe why he came back and well, and and he's got a family now, from. right? So I mean, yeah. he's got he's got kids and all that. I mean, if I'm Manti Teo, how do you not want to take your kids to Notre Dame and show them what was a huge part of your life, you know, and, and right. when he was just an absolute icon of college football. Absolutely. You want to share that. You want to share that with your family and your kids when they're old enough to understand it. They're probably not old enough to completely understand it, but they're going to see their dad beloved, you yeah. know, and all they know of that is their dad, you know? So um, I I'm excited for him. I think this is good timing. Like, like Stymie said, and uh, I hope it works out well. After beating Notre Dame last week, there are already a few projections of Marshall to the cotton bowl this season. Do you buy or sell the thundering herd as this year's Cincinnati Bearcats? I mean, is it possible? Sure, but I'm going to go ahead and reserve the right to say no on this one. <laughs> it's a little early for me to project Marshall. I mean, the Sun Belt was on fire last week. And they were. They, they they did not go to West Virginia. This Their game day didn't go to West Virginia this week. They went to App State. They went to Boone, North Carolina. So they obviously think App State is a little bit better than Marshall. So I'm going to say no at the moment, but... You know what? I hope that they uh I hope that they prove me wrong. How about that? You know, the win over Notre Dame was Cincinnati's big resume last year. And Notre Dame's gonna have to help Marshall <laughs> a little bit for you know for yeah. that win to mean anything. That's a good point. At this point. Good you know, point. Notre Dame's gonna have to get on a roll of its own now. Uh you know, they've got a stretch. You know, you mentioned the Sun Belt being the thing with App State and Georgia Southern. We talked about it earlier, how they beat uh, they, they won at Texas A&M and Nebraska last week as well. Three teams in the Sun Belt, all winning against Power 5 teams on the same day. But they've got a stretch where in from late October and into early November. Coastal Carolina, App State, and Georgia Southern, they will play those teams in a four-game stretch. And that's really going to be their season right there. How do they come out? They are home for all but the Georgia Southern game. So... I think they've at least got they're they're not going to be a playoff team, but right. I do no. I I do think if they can navigate that, they've at least they at least will have a chance to be that group of five team that ends up being in a New Year's Six Bowl. So I'll I'll, I'll sell for right now because again I think that that is definitely going to be a tough stretch for them those those three games if they're able to navigate it they'll at least sure. end up in a New Year's Six Bowl. They're not going to be a playoff team though. Right. And, and, you know, they were, uh, I was watching game day this morning and before the show, and they were talking about, they had the, uh, the Sunbelt commissioner on and, you know, they asked him, how do you feel about the new 12 team playoff? And he's like, this is great for us. I mean, this yeah. is an opportunity for us to have a legitimate shot at winning a national championship. He's like, for sure. What, what's there not to like, you know, it, for the fun belt to have an opportunity to <laughs> get a team in that 12 team playoff. I mean, that, that's a great opportunity for the group of five schools. You know, if they can take care of their business in the regular season, maybe get an upset here or there, 
you know, jump into that top 12, what a great opportunity for them. So, yeah. you know, that's what people don't necessarily look at. Now, do they have a – if they're in, they have a shot at winning a national title. You know, and that's what we've always said about the Final Four. If you're in, you got a shot. Yeah. You're planning for a national championship. If you're in the top 12, you're playing for a national championship. So that's a great opportunity for schools like that. Yep. Last one, fill in the blank. Green jerseys Notre Dame is wearing today are blank. The specific green jerseys that they are wearing, I'm not a huge fan of. And it's funny to me that they put the names on the back in white. When I know. Normally, whatever your accent color is on the jersey, that's what the names are. Uh-huh. Right? But they put them in white. Why aren't the numbers white? You know, that that's my bit. If they make the numbers white, I think these would be these would be clean. They'd be crisp. They'd be all I'd be all about them, right? I agree. But the blue is just really tough. I'm gonna have to make sure I put my binoculars, you know, in the yes. in the uh backpack today. But uh, yeah, the blue, it's nice up close, I guess, maybe in pictures, but from far away, it doesn't really do it for me. I, I'd rather either go gold or white on the numbers. I like the green. Uh, you know, I've I've always been a big green jersey proponent. I wish I'd I'd like to see him do it once a year. And before this happened, we might have been talking about it this summer. I said you pick a game where it's basically what they ended up doing. You pick a game that's not necessarily a huge crowd draw, and you say this right. is going to be the green jersey game. So you give people a little bit, you know, different kind of excitement, and you do it in advance. So you're not doing the whole, you know, like the Trojan horse and all that kind of stuff. That's exactly what they did. Now, I know there are still detractors, uh, you know, that, you know, people don't like it, you know, the whole jinx and all that kind of stuff. I agree with what you said. I'm not a fan of these navy blue numbers on this green. Uh, I wish that it was just all white, you know, kind of like you were talking about with, with the names, you know, they, they, uh, uh, took a picture, took a, yeah, the, 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 the white looks really good. And Alan yeah. says no names, I believe. Well, the jerseys that they tweeted out yeah. the other day had names on the back of the jerseys. Right. And they so were in white. That's, that's what we're all going on. Yep, absolutely. So all we'll right. find out in a few hours. But. Yep, game prediction time, Vince. What's your prediction, Ooh, Notre Dame well, Cal today? I, you know, I felt like I got burned last week, as I'm sure everybody felt. You know, like I, I, you know, I picked Notre Dame to cover the spread. I picked it for the, the over. Yeah, none of that obviously happened. And so that was really tough for me. Drew Pine obviously is the quarterback this week. What does the offense look like? That is going to be a huge question mark going into this thing. And the defense is going to have to step up. This has to be a coming out party for the defense. The offense just needs to figure out who they are with Drew Pine at quarterback. I don't think they ever figured out who they were with Tyler Buckner at quarterback. So we'll see if they can figure that out in one game with Drew Pine. Again, I took the under of the 40 and a half or whatever it was in the rapid fire. I have Notre Dame 23, Cal 10. I'm not like Notre Dame can score in the 20s. I think they could do that. And I'm not convinced Cal is going to be able to put enough points on the board to really do a whole lot to really challenge in this game. But at the same time, you know, it's going to be closer than I think it should be. So yeah, I'll take Notre Dame 23, Cal 10. Yeah. I, I mean, this is the defense is still, you know, they're they're still allowing just 23 and a half points a game, which, you know, like when you factor Ohio State into the mix, that is still a pretty solid number with room for improvement. And, and I yeah. think they can. The biggest question is just going to be, what's the offense going to be able to do today? What, what are they going to be able to do with Drew Pine? What are they going to be able to do against this unique Cal defense that, again, is going to have just two down linemen at times? 
Chris Tyree is the kind of guy who can attack this defense on the perimeter, and that's where I think they need to make their hay today is out on the perimeter. We all want to see Tobias Merriweather as part of that mix, but that's yep. kind of banking on a lot right now considering <laughs> what we've seen so right. far. But, you know, again, Notre Dame's defense should be able to make its hay against an Im Im immobile quarterback and – a not very good offensive line that gave up four sacks to UNLV last week. I have Notre Dame winning 26 to 17 today. Okay. So okay. 43 total points. Okay. I'm down with that. So we both got Notre Dame getting right. the victory. As I would hope that most people would have. But again, I can understand people being gun shy after last week. All right. Well, that's going to do it for IB Countdown to kickoff. Another one in the books. This is my first full show on Saturday. Great to have you back, Sean. Jumping back to the saddle. Great to be back, Vince. Woo! Glad to glad to have everybody with us today. Appreciate all the comments, as always. Even if we don't always disagree, we always enjoy the discourse and, and being able to debate back and forth, you know, as long as we can keep it civil, which I Absolutely. think most people do. I saw somebody got put in timeout for a little bit earlier. That's true. So. Just got, yeah, hey, it's just like, hey, time to relax. That's right. right. Come back and play in five minutes. That's right. Post-game show, of course, after the game. So hopefully Vince and Brian and, and Sean have more smiles on their faces today than they did last week. I hope so. <laughs> All right. And uh, you will you guys will also have uh, – is upon it – Upon further review. Upon further – I couldn't remember if it was after or upon. Upon further review, Sunday, and, of course, Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Vince and I will be here Monday as well. So we will talk to you then. We're going to wrap it up right now. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.